0: Hi, this is Steph Collegio of the UMass Women's Basketball Team. WMUA Sports has you covered for all your minute women basketball.
1: Hello, UMass Women's Basketball Fans, and welcome to the 19th episode of Women's Basketball Connect. We're on 91.1 WMUA. I'm Josh Schreiber, and I'll be joined today by Beckett Story, Andrew White, and of course, Jacob Munch. Well, guys, we are. We keep having great weeks of UMass women's basketball where we're playing very well. We have, what is it, seven, eight game winning streak now? Eight game winning streak. T- coming off two big wins against Richmond and then LaSalle. Against LaSalle was really just absolute domination. Richmond was kind of just an ugly win but we got the
2: job done what are some of our thoughts let's start with you andrew i think that richmond game was a very gritty win they found themselves down i think about 10 points or more i think it's around 10 yeah they were able to claw back in the second half and they didn't come out very well it's it's kind of been i've been saying it for multiple weeks now but that game was great to see them work from behind because most of the games they've just dominated, which is great. But every once in a while when you can show that you can come from behind, that's very beneficial for playoff games where you might find yourself behind. And the LaSalle game it also started off slow, but LaSalle is ice cold from three. I don't know, Jacob will have the stat on that, but it's like six for 50 or something around that number from three. Lord. So just nice to see them pull away in a game that they really should have with a 24-point win.
0: Yeah, LaSalle is now 6-for-55 from three the last two games, which is just awful. They were (laughs) 3-for-27 against UMass, but I think LaSalle is a better team than they showed. Their head coach was talking about it after the game where he said... You wouldn't want to be the team who plays LaSalle when they get hot. And UMass was fortunate to catch LaSalle in a cold stretch. They could still beat LaSalle even when LaSalle is hot. I'm not worried about that. But it made the game against the Explorers a little easier than you might have expected entering this season or even a few weeks ago. But that Richmond game... Boy, Richmond does very well at playing up to their competition. Richmond had the overtime uh, loss against Rhode Island last weekend. Last year, UMass and Richmond went to OT before UMass won on a buzzer beater. This year, it was another really close game between the Spiders and UMass, just a four-point UMass win. So kudos to Richmond for that. Like you said, Andrew, the slow start for UMass kind of hurt at the beginning for the Minute Women, but they... It tends to feel like it's not a question of if, just a matter of when, and it took a really long time, but eventually they got over the hump in the fourth quarter. Yeah, I think that's a big part
1: of the Minute Women's game, not only this season, but what we've had in the past, where they're able to go down to solid teams and then fight back as the game goes on. And I want to give a special shout out to Bernaya Mayo, because she had an outstanding game, and... As she does, she was just the type of player that would come in in those big situations. They'd give her the ball, trust her with the ball, and she made some outstanding offensive plays and defensive plays down the stretch in that game that they really would have had no chance without her.
0: Yeah, Mayo's been so good and she's become so like well rounded. You look at her games, okay, she's not quite a double double, but fourteen points, five rebounds, three assists, and then the four steals against Richmond. Like that is an excellent stat line. You're contributing and making a difference on all areas and facets of the game you need that from your point guard especially and her composure is just fantastic she's i think second best in the conference behind mass antonio in an, in assist to turnover ratio and so to get that production from her on a nightly basis even if she's not shooting the ball well she didn't shoot well against LaSalle, but that didn't slow her down that really is huge for a team when you can get all different aspects like that yeah and this is a team that is that
1: it's best when they are able to shoot the three just because of how deadly they are down low. And if you can have Bernaya Mayo, Sid Taylor, and Destiny Filoxi, really just two of those three shooting a capable three-point percentage, you're going to be deadly because then you can't just sit back and force them to drop or not allow them to drive to the hoop, not allow Sam Breen to get anything. If you're shooting the three, teams are going to have to come out and close out on you, and they're not going to be able to double down low. So it makes it so much more difficult and just allows every aspect of their game to really flow. Um, but with that being said, two win coming off two wins this past week, have probably their second biggest game on the remaining of their schedule coming up against Fordham. Fordham previously UMass went down to Fordham, beat them in a very close game. It was 66 to 57, but it was really a tight game throughout the entirety of it. UMass really never got their offense really flowing, but they've been on more of a hot streak recently. So you have to wonder if maybe they can get that offense going a little bit better this time out against Fordham.
0: Yeah, I think definitely but it's interesting these are two teams that have the best offenses in the conference yet when they play it's not super high scoring last year's games again still scores in the mid to upper 60s i don't know why that is i think a lot of emotions come into like the fordham and umass games in a way it feels like like, UMass has struggled to get over the hump against Rhode Island, while Fordham has struggled to get over the hump against UMass, where it feels like they're good, yet they always find a way to lose, and UMass finds a way to play a little bit better. Fordham, they just rely on Asia De- uh, sorry, Asia Dingle and Anna DeWolf, and that gets them 50 to 65 of their points, which is kind of an easy way to defend, except they still score 30 points like right. a game, even though teams are doubling them and stuff. Yeah, well, Dingle had
2: not her best game of the season against UMass, and she hasn't played very well, and I think that speaks to how how well the, the UMass team can match up with her specifically. But DeWolf, just a casual 33 against us, and that was a pretty bizarre box score from the Rams. They only had four players that actually scored. Obviously, the injury to Jonathan was unfortunate for them could have changed the outcome for the game but they need more scoring from people other than those two players like obviously those two players are the top two scorers in the eight ten, 10 which is ridiculous <laughs> in and of itself but caitlin Downey's is probably the person to focus on in terms of if she can get it going which she has before against the minute women uh, in the tournament last season like, the game could change it, it really is going to be how the minute women shut down the other players because they can they can contain DeWolf and Dingle it's kind of like a Luca Doncic thing where it's like (laughs) let them do what they can but they're going to run out of gas eventually and that's kind of what ended up happening earlier in the season
3: and I think that that shows the difference between this UMass and the and the Fordham team is that you know when because UMass has two big stars two top you know top players in the conference but when They need a shot from another player. They need a big play from another player. They have those players on this roster to do that, or maybe Fordham hasn't gotten so lucky so far.
0: Well, and, yeah, you look at that last time these teams played, of the 63 field goal attempts, only nine of them were from players not named to Wolf, Dingle, or Downey. And so to get 50 Four of your field goal attempts from three players is just absurd, but it's a recipe that works for Fordham. They're not going to expect Sarah Carpel to score fifteen points. Same with Jada Depa, like she's a very nice player, but she's not going to score 10-15 points. I mean, though, no Jonathan, that makes a big difference too. But I think the key for Fordham is they need all the three of those players to be on for them to beat UMass. They can beat other teams if one of DeWolf Dingle or Downey isn't on their game, but to beat UMass in particular, they need all three of those to be sharp, and Downey wasn't very good against UMass shooting the basketball 0 for 6 from 3, and that really made the difference. And that's kind of weird to me, because Downey is kind of the type of player
1: that has killed UMass all season. I mean, we just saw it with Richmond and Addie Budnick, who had seven three-pointers in that game, and I believe five of them were in the first quarter, so or first half or something like that it was a ridiculous number and it's just that the forward that can shoot like the stretch four type of player that kind of just hits those trailer threes or is at the top of the key in UMass is they tend to swarm towards the ball which allows teams to have these cross-court passes that just leave the shooter wide wide open and Addie Budnick was able to, able to capitalize in the
0: last game, seven of ten from three. But I think the difference between, like, for Fordham. DeWolf has so much success against UMass because she moves around a lot. Downey is kind of stationary, just like at the three-point arc. She doesn't handle the ball enough to fake a drive or something like that. And so for the most part, it was Dingler, Carpel drive into the lane, kick out near a corner, and that's where DeWolf was because Downey was on the near wing. So Downey was available as the extra pass from DeWolf. But DeWolf's movement makes a difference, and it's typically against UMass, like not the number one three-point shooter who goes off. Like, and Caitlin Downey is, at least stat-wise, the best three-point shooter that Fordham has. But UMass still has to slow her down because if not, they could be in trouble. They've shown that in the games that they've that the Minute
2: Women have lost. With the exception of the Tennessee game, that was a little different. But what the three-point is what kills the Minute Women. And the games, they don't give up those threes. They typically have a good handle on that game and and can blow teams out and that's what does worry me about it because if you get a performance like abby shu had for columbia against the minute women or or rhode island rhode island hit
0: like 14 threes against covington went off from distance yeah and
2: it's one of those things where if you if they get hot it's gonna just like richmond it's gonna
0: be a brutal game where you might have to fight from behind and every time we play, every time UMass plays Fordham, it is kind of one of those brutal games where you never feel too sure because you know Fordham has the firepower, but UMass isn't quite good enough to take a huge lead. It never really feels like UMass is fully in control against Fordham until like the last three minutes if they're up 10 or something. But even then, Fordham made like DeWolf hit like four threes in the last two minutes of that game a couple of weeks ago. Well, that's what you said. Bef- in the in the show before the for the first Fordham game is that
2: they are one of those teams that can score nine or nine to fifteen points in a minute or two, and so that's they that's why even they're, when they're up ten, it's like well if they if you take the foot off the gas and they get hot, all of a sudden they're back in this game. It's a one two possession
0: game, and you got to grind the last three minutes out. Well, yeah, I think you're exactly right, but this is something we talked about on the sh- on that show, which is. Fordham is not mentally tough. At least they haven't proven to be. And it's to such an extent that it's weird to play against them because you, you're you playing them like, oh, my God, they're terrible right now. We could go on a 15 nothing run. And then all of a sudden it's like, whoa, they can't miss at all. They're on a nine zero run for the third time in this game. Like the emotional swings when you're playing Fordham and the complaining. My Lord, there will be a lot of that <laughs> by both teams, I'm sure, on Wednesday because – both teams accuses the other of flopping during the games and then the refs get mad and everyone gets mad and it's funny but also very annoying. But at the same time it's never really clean basketball. Yeah, that that tends to
1: happen when you have two teams that really go at each other in these physical type of games where, especially recently where one team in UMass kind of dominates the other uh, in terms of win-loss percentage. But when it comes to the games, they're all pretty competitive. I remember Last year, Jeremiah yep. almost broke the three-point record in all of college hoops. <laughs> I think she had eleven threes in that yeah. game. It was just ridiculous, and they still lost that game. So it's just one of those games where, or one of those teams where it's like you just feel like they have your number. It's kind of like UMass with Rhode Island,
0: and also Fordham's running out of time. This core is old and. Some of them are about to lose their, a lot of them are about to lose their eligibility in Dingle, Downey, and Jonathan, although I don't know how Jonathan's injury affects it. But still, everyone says Fordham's super talented. They haven't won anything in their time here. They have like the most starts among a starting lineup in the entire country, yet they haven't won anything. So they might come in more desperate because they know they need to show that they are one of the best teams in the conference because they haven't shown it. So we are going to just take a brief
1: break before we go into some Stump the Senior, prepare a little bit more for the George Mason game coming up on Super Bowl Sunday next weekend. But before we go, just want to remind everyone that this radio show is brought to you by the Quarters, located just off Route 9 on the bike trail in Hadley. The quarters offers unlimited arcade play with 25 vintage games from the 80s and 90s, as well as a full food menu, draft beer, and cocktails. Weekly events at the quarters include Monday trivia, Thursday karaoke, and weekend morning unlimited cereal buffet and cartoons. The quarters also offers private events and is online at HadleyQuarters.com, as well as Instagram and Facebook. So once again, just a quick break, but we'll be right back. You're listening to 91.1 WMUA.
0: Interested in joining WMUA, the student-run college radio station at UMass Amherst? Whether you're interested in pursuing a career in broadcast journalism, you have a passion for music, or you're just looking for a space on campus to call your own, WMUA is the place for you. From music and news to sports and public affairs programming, students of all majors and interests are encouraged to contact us today. To find out how to get involved, email us at
2: production at umass.edu.
0: And tell us what you're all about. Before you know it, it'll be your voice broadcasting here on 91.1 WMUA,
1: the radio voice of UMass Amherst.
0: Hi, it's Sydney Taylor, and you're listening to WMUA 91.1 FM Amherst, the official radio network of UMass women's basketball.
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Women's Basketball Show here on 91.1 WMUA. I'm Josh Schreiber. Alongside me, Beckett Story, Andrew White, and Jacob Munch. Well, so far, we've broke down a little bit of the past games from this past week that UMass has had. Broke down the Fordham game coming up, but we do have another game before our next show, and that's against George Mason. That'll be in Fairfax, Virginia, on Super Bowl Sunday, 3 p.m. Eastern time. And, guys, George Mason is a team that is kind of interesting. They haven't really been looked at very highly, or they haven't been very highly regarded in past years, but they started out the season pretty hot, and they've played some good teams closely, so I don't think this is just a game where UMass can just chalk it down as a win already.
0: It's not as much of a pushover as they were last year or as, say, uh, St. Bonaventure this year, but George Mason is disappointed in conference play. Based on how well they did during the non-conference schedule, there was a decent amount of optimism in Fairfax, and they just haven't backed it up yet. They've had spurts where they look pretty good. You think especially the real close loss they had to Rhode Island, and they did beat George Washington once, but... This team isn't quite a coin flip. It's more like they pl- play well only like thirty percent of the time or so because they're young, still getting used to a new coaching staff, and Essa Blair Lewis in her second year. So, I think for George Mason, they're still trying to figure things out, but they've made good progress from last season. Yeah, I think they're in a good
2: they're in a good spot for a for a squad that's rebuilding, and a lot of teams could, wouldn't have this type of success with in different situations, but. I think it kind of boils down is that they just don't have that that star, I guess. They don't have someone that just brings them over the top. Taylor Jamison's their leading scorer, only 13 points a game, which compared to many of the the other teams in the A-10 that have players averaging 16, 17 to 20 points a game, it's kind of hard when it's, uh, or at least the teams that I've seen, the, the, the teams that have like by committee games where it's like you kind of got to get a little bit of everything, from everyone, don't perform as well. And it's it's not entirely to their fault. It's just they don't have that experience and they don't have that star factor that can really bring them over the top in, in some of those games where they fall a little short.
0: You realize we just... Uh discuss the opposite of Fordham Fordham we were saying has no depth they only get scoring from three people and it's a problem but for Mason now we're saying like (laughs) they get scoring from everyone but it's not enough because they don't have a star they miss Amaya Scott from last year though she was their star there needs to be a balance of scoring I think and it's that's what UMass is that
2: is exactly what UMass and Rhode Island are it's like they get stuff from many people but not too many people and that there's not much there's not too much to go around
3: and um, I'm sure in a maybe a season or two, we'll be looking at this team. And I'm sure with how some of these players will develop, they they could be a much better team. But I mean, at this point in the season, they've seen obviously A10 players. They've seen all the same teams we have, and they're, or that UMass has, and they're losing to them. So this should be a, a,
1: a win. This should be a win.
3: <laughs>
0: yeah. And,
1: and someone mentioned. I, Jacob, you mentioned the George Washington game, that they beat yeah. them. Yep, They won that game at home. They then went to George Washington and only scored 39 points in that game. That yeah. was this weekend. Yeah, in a That's loss. Rough. So This is a, a George Mason team that we obviously know. They struggle to score, but they can play some good defense at times, and they have limited their opponents to under 60 points a few times this season, which is something that I mean, UMass has done, but they don't do it frequently. I I wouldn't say they do it frequently. So this could be one of those games where UMass, if they're not shooting the three ball well, they may struggle a little bit to score. So I I honestly do think, I I think when we get to score predictions, which we will get to in just a few minutes, but I think that while there may be some of you saying this could be a blowout, I really think that this could be, This has the potential to just be an ugly, ugly game.
0: Which is exactly what happened when Mason played Rhode Island. And that's what Mason wants. They lost to the Rhodey Rams only by four points. And it was really close right down to the very end. And that's how George Mason can win this game is by making it ugly and close. Defense is the Patriots' calling card. In conference play, opponents score less than 60 points a game. The issue is George Mason only scores 56 points a game. So that is where the problem is for George Mason because they don't have that star. But I do want to mention the 8-10 rookie of the week this week, Nalani Keja. She is averaging a double-double in Atlantic 10 play, 11.6 points per game, 10.9 rebounds per game. She's been a really nice addition to this George Mason Side the transfer from Charlotte has really picked them up at times during a ten play.
1: Yeah, and this is a George Mason team also that they struggle a little bit to rebound. UMass will need to dominate them on the boards in order to really pull away in that game. I, I I don't think anyone wants that game to be remotely close. Yeah, on the UMass side, just because right now you're you are fully focused on probably two games and. It is easy to get caught up in focusing on beating Rhode Island and looking ahead on your schedule. Rhode Island, I believe, is the game that they play right after George Mason. So I'm sure that they're going to struggle a little bit to not be like, hey, Rhode Island's beat us five of the, last, five, the past five times that we've played them, and we need to beat them if we want to win the A-10 regular season title. That's the must-win game, not this one. But if they lose to George Mason or a team like Fordham or a team like George Washington later on, they're not going to have that opportunity no matter what they do against Rhode Island.
0: Does anyone think that George Mason game might be a trap game? Like, Mason's not very good, but they can play teams close. UMass is coming off a very, or they will have be coming off of a very emotionally fraught game against Fordham, looking ahead to a potentially regular season championship deciding game against Rhode Island, to go on the road to George Mason Mason could be a bit of a trap.
2: It's definitely got the possibility to be that. You gotta hope that the experience that the team has at this point, they can understand that that is a possibility and that they need to go in, do their business, and get moving, but they gotta get there. And do the business first. They can't just skip to the next game,
3: right? And to Josh's point, you know, uh, you got to take it at one game at a time. You can't, you can't be worrying about. I mean, obviously, you you want to win this game, and you probably need to win this game, but you don't want to be worrying about um, Rhodey at, while you're playing them. And I think the most intriguing part of this matchup is like what we were talking about—the down low game and the mm-hmm. rebounding and all right. that—because with this girl who just won uh, Rookie of the Week, you know, she is going to be a problem down low, especially on the boards with those close to 11 rebounds per game. So, I, I mean, we're going to have to see, you know, some good good play from from Kalundi and White.
1: Yeah, and I think one of the most interesting storylines in that game UMass tends to be much better on the road. For whatever reason, I don't know why. Maybe it's because it feels like you know you really have something to play for when you're going on the road and trying to take down a team on the road. George Mason is the opposite. They're better at home. They beat George Washington at home. They beat Duquesne at home pretty easily. Uh, they lost to LaSalle and VCU both on the road. And then they played Rhode Island very tough, beat Davidson at home all of their best games that they've played have come at home for the most part so a umass team coming in there that could be an interesting battle of two teams that are playing to their
0: strengths mason nine and three at home two and seven on the road oh and three in neutral sites they are terrible away from their home gym so that's a good point that you make there
1: josh yeah, so that one should be an interesting one. I think we can get right into predictions for the next two games if anyone doesn't have anyone anything else to say. But I guess let's start with Fordham.
2: Andrew, you want to start us off? Yeah, I think the history has shown that they've played low-scoring games. I think this one could be an outlier. And I also think the Minute Women can't control the rams for the first time in a little while i think i think it's going to be a nice 78 to 61 win over the rams okay so much more
3: scoring (laughs) big win for them um you know yeah i i kind of see what you're saying because you guys talk about you know going on streaks how there's big streaks when when they end up playing the rams but but also, like, how it's choppy and how there's not really
0: a good rhythm to the game. So that really, those really negate each other. ...from their home gym. So that's a good point that you make there, Josh.
1: Yeah. So that one should be an interesting one. I think we can get right into predictions for the next two games if anyone doesn't have anyone anything else to say. But I guess let's start with Fordham. Andrew, you want to start us off?
2: Yeah, I think... The history has shown that they've played low-scoring games. I think this one could be an outlier. And I also think the minute women can't control the Rams for the first time in a little while, I think think it's going to be a nice 78-61 to 61 win over the Rams. Wow, okay, so much more scoring. <laughs> Big win for them.
3: Um, you know, yeah, I, I kind of see what you're saying, because you guys talk about, you know, going on streaks, how there's big streaks when, when they end up playing the Rams, but, but also, like, how it's choppy and how there's not really a good rhythm to the game, so that really, those really negate each other, I'd say. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I'd like, I'd like to see a UMass win, obviously, so we'll go with win, but I'm thinking around the scoring averages, I'd say 74 to 66 UMass.
0: When UMass plays Fordham on Wednesday, I think a lot of people in the A10 are also going to have an eye out because GW is playing Rhode Island, who are currently the 1 and 3 teams, Rhode mm. Island's 1, GW's it's 3. Game. So Wednesday honestly is like huge. The biggest game of the biggest day of the conference we've had so far. But Fordham has scored over 80 points in 3 straight games. They're not going to get it against UMass, but they're going to want this victory badly considering they've lost many in a row to the Minute Women. The final score will be 70 to 68 UMass.
1: Wow, so really pulling out a tight win at the end there. so the gonna spread. need some of that free throw <laughs> shooting which Fordham is very very good at, but UMass that's also been a strength for them this season. So with that being said, I am going to say they're going to stick with the trend. They're going to come out slow. Didn't look great offensively against LaSalle, at least to start the game. So I'm going to say UMass is going to take this one 64-60. It's going to be very low scoring. Um, but, yeah, all of us have a UMass win, though, for that game. Let's move on to George Mason. And I guess I could start that one off. I'm going to say that George Mason game is going to be ugly 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 basketball for the first quarter play a little better in the second quarter but just not really going to get the offense going umass is going to pull out the win 70 to 59 but it's going to be close throughout the first three quarters i'll say
0: okay you got an 11 point difference there because umass is on the road I am not worried, although I talked about a trap game earlier, all that sort of stuff. But I'm going to ignore that because I think UMass will win eighty-two to sixty. Okay, wow, old blow. And I, blowout. I totally could see that
1: happening, Jacob. I do think that is very much within the realm of possibilities.
0: Defending thi- your pick or defending my pick, right
1: there. <laughs> defending, I'm defending your pick. I'm saying. I, like, I personally think that this game is going to be yeah, yeah, yeah. a bit of a trap game for UMass, but... UMass has got a lot of talent. Right, and I, w- I wouldn't be surprised if they go in there like it's Duquesne, yeah. and they win that game by 30 to 40 points. Well, I think everything you're saying about how good of an away
3: team they are is interesting, but it's like they're almost as great at home, which I think is pretty Record- interesting. yeah wise yeah. Yeah, like one, yeah you're, you're right. It's, it's about the dominance of the game. Um... I mean, yeah, I'm expecting a win. I'd say, I mean, especially with the fact that this team is bigger and they have some, some some people who are there to rebound, I'd say that it might be a little lower scoring. So I'll do 72 to 60 UMass. But the biggest thing to me is that there are good vibes because we need good <laughs> vibes going into Rhode Island. It's important. This needs to be a game that they just go in, go out, do what's necessary coach Verde's happy
2: (laughs) I think they're gonna I also agree with the they need good vibes I think they will have those I think their offense will be kind of consistent as to what it has been they're not gonna score a ton of points but I think their defense on a team that can't score very consistently is going to really have George Mason struggling so I'm gonna have Minute Women win 64-47. to 47. I think oh. they really shut them down. It starts off ugly, just like the LaSalle game, but they're able to pick it up as the game moves on, as they've done many times this season. Yeah, so as a collective,
1: we have the Minute Women going 8-0 and <laughs> for our picks in the next two games. So a lot of optimism here in the studio. Um, but before we go,
2: I do want to see... Do we have a Stump the Senior, Andrew? We do. And I think this is a pretty good question. Oh, no. I do like to praise myself when I do <laughs> these things. So here we go. This is... It's open to anyone, but it's tailored towards <laughs> Jacob as normal. I am the senior. So UMass has lost to the Rhode Island Rams in their last four meetings. Their last win coming December 8th, 2020, in a 79-69 to win in the Mullen Center. In that game, three players scored double figures. Who were those
0: three players? I feel like... I don't know why I'm thinking this, but I feel like Matty Sims went off in that game. So I am going to say Sims. I am going to say... I think Philoxy did really well. So Philoxy and then... Should we go Breen or Mayo or Taylor as the third? I will go... Breen.
2: Right, anyone else
0: want to put in a guess? Oh, that means it's I wasn't
2: worth it. <laughs> yeah, no, not worth the it. The team
0: hasn't changed from two years ago. It's the same place basically. True.
2: The answer was Philoxy with nineteen, Taylor with nineteen, uh, and Brennai Mayo with oh, eighteen. Wow. Wow.
0: Okay, well, Sam one Breen for three.
2: and Maddie Sims both held under ten points. I think they oh, had weird. nine and seven respect, respectively hmm. in that game. I Consistency. Didn't catch him out on okay. That one.
0: Okay. That was a very good one. I like that. Thank you. So I guess we can.
1: We're already looking forward to Rhode Island here at the show, and for good reason, because Rhode Island is such an incredible team. They have our number, and it's kind of just a revenge game for UMass. So, but before we can get to those games, we do have George Mason and Fordham. Jacob, one last word.
0: Yeah, I was just going to say the Fordham game, which is at seven o'clock at the Mullen Center. Like students are back. And it's a game against a big rival. Like, show up. Go show your support. You get three more opportunities starting with the Fordham game to watch two of the best five players the program has ever had before they graduate in San Breen and Destiny Philoxy. So show up there. And I also know, like, pay attention to Twitter. I've seen some things where UMass fans from the Boston area are looking to go down to the Rhode Island game, which is on Thursday, February 16th. So... Like Get a group together on Twitter. Go down to Kingston. It's not far from Amherst either. On Thursday the 16th, make the little drive and cheer on UMass. Rhode Island fans have been showing up in great support, so I'm just saying ahead of time, buy your tickets for that roadie game too. Great plug. Yeah, and we
1: we know that the Minute Women, when they're on the road and they have a big support team, it's just that much more energy in the building. We saw it in Pittsburgh against Duquesne, LaSalle, Fordham. Right, field, field trip, trip day, day, which was <laughs> technically at home, but it was, <laughs> it was at home. But this is a team that really feeds off the energy. So they're going to need you guys to come out, show up in numbers, and be loud for the Minute Women. But that will do it for today's episode of the Women's Basketball Show here on w, w, <laughs> W-M-U-A, Excuse me, I'm Josh Schreiber. Joined by Andrew White, Beckett Story, and Jacob Munch. We will see you later.